Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. This is a DLF podcast. I am out of order. I was meant to have an interview scheduled for this week and do another of the uh, regular solo podcast trying to make content or put the content back in fantasy content. It's kind of how I've been thinking about it lately next week. But I've been so excited about doing the new things that we're trying to do on the Crossroads and I actually have the next two sketched out. And then the one that was meant to do next week, I actually have pretty well flushed out. So I took the day and really tried to finish it up. Um, I think it's ready. I think it's ready enough. Um, as always, I'm coming at you a little bit more raw than I prefer, even while I'm trying to make these a little more perfected. So, you know, give me some allowances if you have any to offer. And um, the subject for this week is breakout wide receivers what to look for, what not to look for, breakout thresholds, and how they're terrible. Let me know what you think. And thanks for listening to the podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. In 2014, a Vanderbilt wide receiver entered the NFL from college with 3,759 receiving yards to his name. A breakout age of 19 at a 30% dominator threshold on his record. He was drafted 42nd overall in the second round of the 2014 NFL Draft Class and had averaged a 2.6 receiving yards per team pass attempt. He had no yards per route run because that didn't exist yet and still doesn't since PFF data starts in 2014 for college, meaning anyone drafted in 2015 only has one year of data and the 2014 class still has none. But in 2014, I didn't care. I didn't care about receiving yards per team pass attempt, for that matter, because I didn't know about any of that. I was hooked on market share the same way, I hear. Others are still hooked on the phonics. 2014 was the very first year I played fantasy. Or at least the first year I played fantasy where I did any work to try and understand what was going on. I couldn't for the life of me grasp the idea that rookies were bad in redraft by default. Then again, in 2014, I couldn't understand why Drew Brees wasn't a good first-round pick because Matthew Berry had said, you can't win your league in the first round, but you can lose it. And I'd taken that a little too seriously. To a time before J.J. Zacharyson existed somehow. What I did know was that Jordan Matthews was a fourth-round rookie in Dynasty, and he had a 50% share of his team's receiving yards in both of his final years. And I had already figured out that while everyone knew and knows now that conference matters... Few had noticed, or at least noted, that no one knew what the hell to do about it. Vanderbilt's Mandebelt. Jordan Matthews was good, and Sammy Watkins could kick rocks. For context, Odell Beckham was drafted as wide receiver 8 in Dynasty that year, behind Marquez Lee. In August of 2014, Watkins was taken as a wide receiver 19. Matthews was taken as a wide receiver 46, according to DLF ADP, in August of that year. A year later, in August of 2015, Matthews was being drafted as a wide receiver 24, four spots below Sammy Watkins, who had fallen to the wide receiver 20. I felt and feel that I got that one right. But I don't know, did I? Between then and now, 2014 made me start googling words like dynasty, because if I could have kept my roster that year, I would have been very happy. In the years since, Jordan Matthews followed up his 800-yard rookie season with a 900-yard sophomore season and another 800-yard season in year three. He suffered ankle injuries and knee contusions and I think a scapula break. He suffered Carson Wentz, a trade, and an eventually an inglorious attempt to translate to the tight end position before it was cool. He remains the most productive wide receiver ever drafted into the NFL from Vanderbilt, though Tyler Morris came close. 
and I made that mistake too. He helped bolster the vaulted value of the 2014 wide receiver class to the stratosphere, making Dynasty, Productive Struggle, and wide receiver ADP skyrocket all at the same time. Then we met 2015 and things cooled a bit. Jordan Matthews may be one of the most important lessons in rookie ADP that no one ever examines, or at least the one that I have failed to examine the most. If you Google Matthews, the most recent references are still the most desperate features about his possible return to relevance at the tight end position, not any long-distant takes about where is he now yet. He is listed as an active NFL player, but it takes you a minute to find a clear reference to his free agent status. He's last recorded a roster spot on the San Francisco 49ers where he earned $530,000, no bonuses, and has his contract expired this year. He hasn't recorded an NFL stat since 2021, when he played in one game for San Francisco, recording no targets for no catches and no yards somehow, but the game exists apparently. So was Jordan Matthews a miss, an injury exception, or Corey Davis 1.0, perhaps? Looking back now, I think my breakout thresholds and trends would have heavily suggested a bust by year two and that 900-yard outing. At the time, I just kept thinking he was good but hurt, and Carson Wentz sucks, so I was right. But what does an 800-yard rookie season really mean? Corey Davis has never been bad outright, just disappointing. He had 800 yards in his second season and damn near a top 24 finish, but he also had 400 yards in year one, much like Traylon Burks, come to think of it. Who compares to who and which thresholds prove what? Did 2014 P.A. Howdy get it right? Or was Calvin Benjamin's touchdown upside the signal? And his own trade, what derailed what might have been for his career? Was Matthews the shiniest of bench players or nothing but smoke across some imaginary pyrite? Rookies and their thresholds, what's up with that? Since 2008... There have been 630 rookie wide receiver seasons in my NFL database. If you look between 2008 and 2020, because 20 and 21 still haven't, and 22 have, still haven't finished their breakout arc, then 38 of those players had over 800 yards in their first year. Of those 38, only one failed to have at least one top 24 season in their career. That was Justin Blackman, who left the league to never return after playing four games for 400 yards in his year two because of consistent arrests for intoxication and suspensions. To be clear, not all top 12 wide receivers have over 800 receiving yards in year one, but few who do are poor players moving forward. So who are the busts, and are there any patterns to them? If we define busts as those who had one top 24 season and never had a top 12 season, Drafted before 2020, eight players stand out to have recorded 800 receiving yards in their first year of those 38. They split into two distinct groups, those who overproduced in touchdowns and those, and those who didn't. Chase Claypool, Kelvin Benjamin, Sammy Watkins, Torrey Smith, and Eddie Royal. Of, the fir of those first five, the first four had a yards per touchdown rate of a under 125. For reference, wide receivers average between 150 and 200. It's a stat that regularly regresses to the average and one that is fairly consistent at predicting touchdown regression. Now, Eddie Royal wasn't in that category, but if you can't tell the difference between Eddie Royal and Jamar Chase, redraft is also fun. The other exceptions, in my opinion, they don't exactly look like busts. The first one is Jerry Judy. The breakout arc is not finished yet. He was drafted in 2020. Jordan Matthews, and Justin Blackman, both of which I've already mentioned. Now, Judy is on many, if not all, buy lists in Dynasty right now. 
a PFF favorite, Russell Wilson bounce back candidate, and my odds on favorite to be mentioned in as many poor quality splits takes on Twitter as possible in the next few months. This year, four rookie wide receivers over also had over 800 yards, Alave, Wilson, London, and Pickens. Of course, they were also playing in a 17-game season, and none of them missed time. Chris Alave, playing in the smallest number of games, 15, actually finished inside the top 24 with over 1,000 yards. But, as always, a generic threshold must be played at closely, if not ignored. Out of the wide receivers since 2008 to have had over 800 yards receiving in their rookie year, only two scored lower than 12 in my sophomore model, a model originally built to assess sophomore players, and currently leads my R-squared table in signal from year N to N plus 1. In other words, it's good. Those two players, George Pickens and DeAndre Hopkins, both had lower than 1.4 yards per route run before you yards per route run me. They had less than 10 points per game in their rookie season, only a 14% target share, and they differ only, really, in touchdown rate. Pickens had 165 yards per touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, in his rookie season, had 400 yards per touchdown. And this is a stat that heavily regresses to the mean. Pickens is sitting right in the mean. Hopkins was distinctly over it. Both Pickens and Hopkins are, coincidentally, two of seven players to have had higher route percentages and targets per route percentages, with 800 yards receiving in their first year. The others are Deshaun Jackson and four of the ten players on our list, Sammy Watkins, Justin Blackman, Torrey Smith, and Eddie Royal. This, I think, is why I get a YouTube comment recently asking me to explain why George Pickens is the biggest sell in Dynasty. Lower target rates and max route percentages aren't, in a vacuum, good, but many like them. Route stats are the new magic numbers. But being on a list of disappointing 800-yard rookie seasons with DeAndre Hopkins doesn't sound very bad, and route stats don't work the way many suggest they do, in my opinion. They are more context-driven, and they're definitely not magic. So let's make some things more complicated before we make everything simpler and come back to this later. Let's look at wide receivers with less than 600 yards in their rookie season. Not all dynasty juicy rookie wide receivers have over 800 yards in their rookie seasons. A lot of lower rookie performances can be explained by a lack of draft capital, however. Those players with draft capital outside the first three rounds in the NFL draft average, if they go on to do well in dynasty or for fantasy, 492 receiving yards, and that's with Amon Ra dragging up the average with his 1,000-yard season. Those other wide receivers, Tyree Kill, Chosen Anderson, formerly Robbie Anderson, Stefan Diggs, Marvin Jones, Doug Baldwin, Antonio Brown, Julian Edelman, Pierre Garçon, and someone called Steve Johnson, who was before my time. All had less than 800 yards, most had less than 600. Stefan Diggs and Doug Baldwin were both over 700, but they were less than 800. Marvin Jones did have over 700 yards in his second season before suffering a mid-season ankle injury in year 3, which kept him out until year 4 in 2015, and his breakout until 2017 in year 5. I remember being in on that window. It was, it was fun and heavily touchdown infused. Given that, let's look at players who were drafted within round 1 to 3, Within our window, 46 rookie wide receivers since 2008 have gone on to have more than two top 12 rookie 24 seasons in PPR scoring, and 15 of them had less than 600 receiving yards in year one. That's 32% of that group. 
those wide receivers are in 2020 Michael Pittman drafted in 2020 in 2017 Kenny Golladay in 2017 Chris Godwin in 2014, we get Brandon Cooks, Alan Robinson, Devontae Adams. In 2013, we saw Robert Woods drafted. In 2012, we saw Alshon Jeffrey. 2011, Randall Cobb. 2010, Des Bryant, Damaris Thomas, Golden Tate, and Eric Decker. In 2011, Emmanuel Sanders. And in 2008, Jordy Nelson was drafted. But we shouldn't just filter for draft capital here. Of only 40 rookie wide receivers since 2008 have gone on to have two or more top 24 seasons, broke out before year three. And unless we want to chase wide receivers based on Robert Woods being traded to the Rams and Sanders being traded to Denver, let's add that filter. Of our candidates, four broke out after year three. Robert Woods from 2013, Emmanuel Sanders from 2011, Golden Tate from 2010, and Jordy Nelson from 2008. So of our 15 prospects, 11 remain, with less than 600 receiving yards in their first year who went on to do well. And only one was earning more route percentage than he was earning targets per route. That's Devontae Adams, arguably the best hit on our list, much like DeAndre Hopkins on his own list with over 800 receiving yards. However, four had noticeably lower route percentages, below 9% in fact. In terms of teams' overall routes, they only ran a route on about 9% of teams' overall routes. Chris Godwin, Demarius Thomas, Randall Cobb, and Eric Decker. Devontae Adams and Demarius Thomas are probably easily the two biggest hits on our remaining list who had a poor rookie season in terms of overall yards gained, with Chris Godwin being the third. You may already see a problem here. Relative to their rookie seasons, or their rookie signal, they all offer polar opposite comparisons for indicators. In other words... There are two paths to success, those who were targeted at a high rate on a relatively minimal number of their team's routes, like Demarius Thomas and Chris Godwin, and those who were targeted at a lower rate with a relatively high percentage of their team's routes, Adams, making, frustratingly, almost all comparison possible to a breakout star. However, by and large, most rookies should be targeted at a higher rate on their own routes than they earn a percentage of their team's route. Most of the group did that, after all, and most rookies do, for a fact. Most of the group with less than 600 yards who went on to do well can be more easily explained by missed games. However, they also have lower ceilings, a la Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks, Golden Tate. That's a very different list from Demarius Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Devontae Adams. Not to mention, again, DeAndre Hopkins on our other list. If we squint, we can also say that both Adams and Hopkins had elite target competition in their rookie seasons, with Andre Johnson in Houston and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in Green Bay. Nelson and Cobb that year in 2014 when Adams was drafted combined for over 2,800 receiving yards by themselves. Just wanted to throw that out there. If we want to squint a little harder, because why not with squinting, we may as well go in a little further, we can take one more thing from this group with less than 600 yards in their rookie season who eventually became breakout. Most came from really good draft classes. In fact, 2014 and 2010, two, the two best rookie wide receiver hit years ever, as far as I can tell, but my data only goes back to 2000, have the most, in fact, they have the majority of players on our player list of players who had poor rookie seasons with under 600 yards, who then went on to do well. Underproducers are less concerning in a good year, perhaps. Of the 40 rookie wide receivers since 2008 who went on to have two or more top 24 seasons, who broke out before year three, 
29 of them had over 600 yards. That's 72% of the hits. 10 rookies with over 600 yards who entered into the loser or the bust bracket that we were just talking about with only one top 24 season and no top 12 seasons, they account for about 17% of all players who do that. Of the 40 rookie wide receivers in, since 2008 who have gone on to have two or more top 24 seasons who broke out before year three, 21 of them had over 800 yards as a rookie. That's 52% of all the hits. But seven rookies had over 800 yards and still ended up on our burst bracket with only one top 24 season. That's 12% of the group that we could be hunting. Simply put, using either group, one or two out of every 10 rookies you may target based on rookie thresholds would end up disappointing. And that's before you get to the number who cross the good line because they have two top 24 PPR seasons, but end up feeling what some might describe as meh. This is where I'm meant to scream Juju's name into the distance. So just imagine that for me. This all breaks down into some simple rules. Over 800 yards in a rookie season? Buy. Over 600 yards? Shop that group. Under 600 yards, they better be injured. Preferably have a high touchdown regression potential. In other words, over 200 yards for touchdown. And higher target rates than route percentages. Follow college profiles, read situations, and breakout trends. Are we ready to be that simple? Or in other words, is George Biggins the biggest buy this offseason or the biggest sell of the 2022 draft class? I think neither. Since 2008, there have been 630 rookie wide receiver seasons, just in case you forgot that from an NFL database. 40 of them have had two or more top 24 seasons in PPR scoring, being drafted in the first three rounds and broke out before their third career year. 29 of those 40 had over 600 yards, 72%. 21 had over 800 yards, 52%. And that second group is a lot higher hit rate. Still, it seems clear that target competition, while it doesn't vacate anything, often leaves players getting fewer targets per route, while they can still own a decent percentage of the team's overall routes themselves. Rather than it being a busy sell signal, it's more a busy context signal. In 2022, or the 2022 draft class, two worry lines cross over Christian Watson's profile. His below average route percentage, 12%, and his high yards per touchdown rate, 76 yards per touchdown, both of which still make him a striking comparison to Chase Claypool. One concern crosses over George Pickens' profile, his 21.8% route percentage and only 14% target rate. In other words, he can't increase in routes and he wasn't earning a target relative to the number of routes he was running very often. But he also played on a roster with Pat Faramuth, Hold your tongue, he's good. And Deontay Johnson, who earned well over 140 targets in 2022, because that's what DeAndre Johnson does. Is it Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson? No, but it's also not nothing, and he had Pickens to contend with at quarterback. Route to target versus route percentages are overblown. If you put Jordy Nelson and DeAndre Hopkins and Tyler Boyd on its list, it's likely not something you want to throw your whole weight behind avoiding, in my opinion. Not to mention Jerry Macklin, Devontae Adams, Deshaun Jackson all had that signal in their rookie season. For me, this brings up an easy 2023 ranking of the 2022 wide receivers. There's Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London clearly separating from everyone else. Then George Pickens, then Christian Watson in the second tier. Looking at players with less than 600 yards from 2022, several stand out. Traylon Burks had a 16% of his team's overall routes and was targeted 21% of the time when he ran a route. 
You also had over 400 yards, which is significant when you're looking below 600 yards, and 419 yards per touchdown. He caught one touchdown, basically, making him an easy comparison to those who underproduced, like Michael Pittman and others who missed time in the rookie season. So to re-rank it, you've got Olave, Wilson, and London in a tier by themselves. Then I would follow that up with Traylon Burks, George Pickens, and Christian Watson in that order. Since this is a good wide receiver year, it's also worth noting that Romeo Dubs was targeted 21.2% of the routes he ran and had 15% of his overall team routes, which is good enough. Jahan Dotson had more of his team routes, it's 18%, than he was targeted on his own routes, which is 15%, which is concerning, but the route volume in a good year is interesting. Alec Pierce had 15% of his team's overall routes and was targeted 16% of the time he ran a route. But he played all 16 games and it looks like the weakest profile I've mentioned so far. Khalil Shakir has a long shot odd of being one of those hyper unlikely few hits that 7% with only 7% of his team's overall routes, much like Chris Godwin and some others had less than 9% of their team's overall routes in the rookie season but still went on to do well. And he was targeted 14% of the time that he ran a route but it still looks pretty weak. None of them had a target rate over 20% or a team route percentage that stands out specifically. So outside of Traylon Burks and Romeo Dubs, I don't think they stand out, but it's worth mentioning. For my money, only Romeo Dubs sticks out outside of Traylon Burks, with less than 600 yards from the rookie season. He's the only one who has a significant par- comparison to those who went on to do well after underproducing in his rookie year because of missed time, but a high target per route run and a decent share of his team's overall route percentage. That brings on the final rankings of Alave, Wilson, and London, followed by Burks, Pickens, and Watson in the second tier, in that order, and then Romeo Dubs as a why-not flyer if you like those things. We could go back a little bit further, so why don't we? There is still some reason to have hope for 2021 wide receivers who haven't done much yet. In 2021, Rashad Bateman, Rondo Moore, and even Kadarius Tony filter into three some of these groups that we've created hit rate profiles on. Or miss time in year one with low yards per target rates. They didn't score as many touchdowns as they should based on how many yards they had. They had over 400 receiving yards, but their upside is now probably more Michael Pittman than it is Chris Godwin and Devontae Adams because they were significantly different in their profiles even on those lists. They were the outliers on those hit lists. And the outliers in this context are actually positive. So should you trade George Pickens away? Sure, at value in the right deal and probably with enthusiasm. But don't give a sophomore wide receiver with over 800 receiving yards away for just anything. In 2023, even 2020 Jura Judy is still a strong hit potential as a rookie with over 800 receiving yards. And was targeted and had target rates that fit our pattern. More importantly, if Jerry Judy and Jordan Matthews are misses and Justin Blackman is a false flag making us think there's something different to them, then they still carry value for the next two years, in the way same way Jerry Judy does right now. So they're not immediate panic sells. Pickers isn't very likely to be Hopkins, however, in the same way Judy is not very likely to be Jordan Matthews. If you were out to get anyone, it should probably be Alave, Wilson, and London. If you want some value with risk, then it should be Traylon Burks, maybe Romeo Dubs. As for anything else, you should be looking for a 2023 rookie wide receiver with over 800 receiving yards. Ultimately, did I miss on Jordan Matthews? Well, not in value. Based on the trends, he had less concern than George Pickens right now, but he did have a touchdown rate that was due regression after his rookie season, with 107 yards per touchdown in year one. And it should probably have been more willing to consider the downside in 2015, rather than the upside of 
what Justin Blackman may have been. Sophomore players who aren't easily top 12 wide receivers by the end of their rookie season in Dynasty, because the market is fairly sharp, enter back into the pool of players we should probably just consider value propositions. Sleepers suck. Betting against a crowd is a loser's game, no matter what the losers tell you. And if I'm going to lean into something, it better be the upside of Adams or Hopkins. And they both needed an understanding of these thresholds, not an adherence to them. Too long didn't read? I would trade for Traylon Burks. I'd rather bet on Burks, could be Alshon Jeffrey or Michael Pittman, than George Pickens' Hopkins. Or that Kristen Watson can be the first wide receiver to fit that profile and not be Chase Claypool. Anyway. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I again appreciate you taking the time out of your day to try a podcast out that's trying something a little different than it used to do at least. If you're interested in my ranks, my articles, or any of my data, all of it can be found on Patreon. You can contact me anytime to chat, argue, or disagree on Twitter at PA Howdy. And again, thanks for listening to this podcast and I will see you next week. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got their lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.